Thank you for joining us today. As Associate Pastor Paul shares the Word of God, our prayer is that your life will be touched by the Spirit of Almighty God and constant, powerful truths that can be applied to your everyday life. Let's join Associate Pastor Paul with today's message. Those of you that are joining us by podcast, we want to welcome you too. We are finishing up a series that we have been doing for the last three weeks. This is part four of a series, Making God's House Stronger. And I certainly hope you guys have enjoyed uh, the series that we've been doing. And I just want to dive right into what we're going to be talking about tonight. In this session, I want to focus on church leadership and the role that church leadership plays in the lives of the people who attend church in that role and in that capacity. No church leader is perfect. And the reason that they're not is because they're human, right? And we understand that all people are born flawed. And if we weren't born flawed, we wouldn't need to be born again. And that's why we get born again, because Christ comes into our imperfect hearts, and then we begin the process of being renewed and made perfect until the day that Jesus comes back. So no church leadership is perfect. But we do know that God establishes authority, and we know that God establishes leadership in our lives. So as we look at this tonight, I really want to focus in on the significance of leadership in the local church in the lives of the people who come to church there. Now, you know, I have been just in my own personal life, I've been so blessed by church leadership. I mean, I've had some really awesome men and women of God in my life over the many years that I have been attending church here at Christian Ministries. As a matter of fact, I've been attending church here for 28 years. And so I've had a lot of people in my life over that period of time that really have played a role of a spiritual father or a spiritual mother in my life. There have been families in our church that have literally played a role of a spiritual family in my life because I moved here from from another state and this is where I made my home and I had no family here. And so I had really key people that the Lord brought into my life and established these people in my life to be a blessing in my life. Now, I think it's very important to remember this. Just as you didn't pick your earthly father or your earthly mother or your earthly family, Neither do you pick your spiritual father or your spiritual mother or your spiritual family. God picks those people in your life sovereignly, supernaturally. By the Holy Spirit, God lines out these people that he brings in your life. And and there'll be seasons of this, okay? So in other words, there'll be a season when this person will be involved in your life and he'll, this, this may be a spiritual father or a mentor be involved in your life for a number of years and then God will begin to slowly wean you off of that person. 
And then God may bring in another person for a period of time based on the season that you are in. And I'm sure as I'm talking here tonight, many of you can shake your head and say, yes, exactly. That's happened in my life. I know exactly what you're talking about. So just as you didn't pick your earthly father and mother, you don't pick your spiritual father and mother. You don't pick your spiritual, necessarily pick your spiritual leadership or your spiritual family. And I think it's important to understand that God often sends you what you need, not what you think you need. Or what you might pick if it were left up to you. You know, I, there's been people that God's brought in my life, and, and had God given me the option of picking them, I might, I might not have picked them. But I'm glad that God is a lot smarter than me, Amen. God is brilliant. He's a genius. God sees the, the beginning from the end, and God knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. And so God works leadership in our lives in the exact same way. So God brings leaders in our lives, and he brings these leaders in our lives to prune us, mm. to perfect us, to grow us, and to love us. That is the role of these leaders that God brings in our lives. And because of their God-ordained role, it's very, very important that we understand that we are to honor that role. We are to honor that position. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says this, and, and if you ever want to read about church leadership, go read First and Second Timothy because it will teach you a whole lot about the, how the church is to function and how leadership in the church is to function. Because we try to do everything here that we do in our church according to what the Bible says. Not tradition, not how our church has always done it or how I was raised to it, but what does the Bible say about church leadership? First Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 says, Leaders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work at preaching and teaching. Now, I'm not saying that you're supposed to bow down to your leadership when they walk through the door. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But I, but I am saying that your leadership, and I want, all, I want our church to know this, your leadership is praying over you. Your leadership is praying over your family. Your leadership is praying over your children. Personally, calling them out by name. And I think that's very important for us to understand and know that leadership is placed in your life to be a person in your life or people in your life that love you, care for you, or teaching you, or equipping you, or carrying over you. Now, because of this, Scripture says in 1 Timothy 5.17 that we are to show leadership double honor. And probably one of the best ways that you can honor leadership, you know, as I speak to you TC guys, and I speak to a lot of you interns over here, and some of you young people, one of the best ways that you can honor your leadership is to live a godly life. Don't cause your leadership heartache. Don't cause your leadership a lot of pain. 
Because it's painful when you're not doing well for a leader. Because leaders love you. Leaders are shepherds over your life. They care about you. So when you're not doing well, it makes it very difficult for your leadership. Do you all understand what I'm saying? So as your leader, leaders are training, they're equipping, they're imparting, and one of the best ways that you can bless them is for you to live a godly life. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible tells us what God's will for our life is. How many of y'all like to know what God's will for your life is tonight? I mean, that's a good thing to know, (laughs) knowing God's will for your life. Well, let me just tell you what 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, I'm sorry, I think I said verse 13, it's actually 4, 3. Here's what it says. God's will is for us to be holy. And for us to live in holiness and honor each other. So we're to honor one another. You guys in TC, in your dorm rooms, as you go to classes, you're to honor one another. You're to honor your leadership. See, if you want to do it God's way and you want to live in God's will, it says to live holy and to honor one another. Now, I want to look at Acts. Everybody go to Acts chapter 4, and I want to kind of lay a little groundwork here as we're getting in this tonight, talking about church leadership and the role that church leadership plays. So in Acts chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 29. So let me just give you a little backdrop. This is the early church. It's in the early phases of Christianity. The church is actually being birthed, and it's government and formation and all of these things are being laid in place and people are learning what it means to be the body of Christ. So this is a whole new movement of believers, right? So in Acts chapter 4 verse 29, there's persecution that's coming against the church and it says, and now Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through your holy name, I mean through your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We all need him. And he began, and, and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now look at verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of what? One heart and soul. And not one of them claimed anything was the belonging to them that was their own, but all things were common property. In other words, they acknowledged that everything that they had, all of their possessions were given to them by God. It was not theirs. They were merely stewards over them. But what I want you to focus on is verse 32 where it says, and the congregation of those who believe were one of one heart and one soul. That's the key to revival. I mean, that's the key to God doing incredible things in Garland County, in Arkansas. That's the key to God moving and making huge things take place right there. One heart, one soul. Now, I just want to look at this. One heart, one heart means we are connected because we are members of the body of Christ. So all of us in here, we're all connected. If one person's heart's sick, 
it affects all of us. If one person is not where they need to be, it affects all of us. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. If one celebrates, we all celebrate because we're all connected together. We're one heart. We're one body in Christ. And then it says, and one soul. One soul means we're running together with the same vision. The same vision. So let's go back to part one. What is the vision? Well, the vision is what the Holy Spirit gives the leadership. And I'm going to establish a little bit about leadership and about authority tonight because, you know, I think it's very important that we understand how God sees leadership and the importance of leadership. It's just vital. So if everyone in the local church body today began to unite heart and soul, if we all begin to unite heart and soul behind the vision of the leadership in our churches all over this country, can you guys imagine what in the world would probably happen? It would be incredible. It would be absolutely incredible. Now, the the scripture says that the thief comes. The thief comes. You've got to know, if you set your mind to do anything for Jesus, the thief is going to come. And the thief has a mission. It says the thief comes, John 10, 10, to kill, steal, and destroy anything that God is trying to do in the world. That's his goal. See, a lot of people think that the enemy is coming against them personally. But you have to understand, the enemy's not necessarily coming against you personally. The enemy is coming against what you contain. He wants to taint what is contained in this vessel. And if he can taint what is contained in this vessel, then this vessel will go around tainting everything else. So he's after the gift that God has placed inside of every single human being in this room. And he wants to cancel out your influence and what you have to bring in your workplace, in your home, on the job, with your family, with your friends. He wants to destroy that, kill still and destroy that. But Jesus said, but I have come (laughs) that you might have life and that that life would be more abundant. So just imagine as we united heart and soul, each one of us, we just, tonight as we're here, we just purpose in our heart for 2017 that I am going to get stronger and stronger. Job 17, 9 is going to be my battle cry for 2017. It says the righteous keep moving forward and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. And we're all going to do our part at making God's house stronger. All of us here in one heart, in one mind or one soul, all working toward a common vision, it's amazing what God can do. Now, God is all about submission. You grew up in a home, you had a mother and a father, or a mother, or a father. But for a home to function, there has to be submission. On the job, you have to submit. 
on a team. You have to submit. Everything in life revolves around submission. So important. Everything in life revolves around accountability. These are key principles to life. Submission and accountability are awesome because they protect you and they empower you to fulfill the mission that God has given you to do. Now, I want to read a scripture to you from Psalms 133, verses 1 and 2. It says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, here's what it's like. Now, listen to this vision. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, down Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. Now, let's just think about this a minute. Who was Aaron? He was the high priest. He was the leader that was in charge of the things of God in the tabernacle. Now, when the oil is poured, it starts at the head, not at the feet. My head leads me, not my feet, not my legs, not my arms, not my mouth, the head, the mind. Okay, that's what it's talking about. The oil flows down from the head down the beard, down the collar, and it works its way down. Leadership starts at the head, and it works its way down. I can walk pretty much in any church, and in about 15 minutes, I can tell you what kind of leader is running that church. Because the characteristics of the king always emanate down throughout the kingdom. So you can go in a church and you can tell if a church has vision. You can tell if the anointing of the Holy Spirit is there. And that will be determined by the leadership. Because it always flows from the head down. Now, who is the head of the church? Let's get it right. Who is the head of the church? Jesus. Jesus is the head. He is the great shepherd. So ultimately, all of us are submitting to Jesus. But Jesus has under shepherds. The ones that are his hands, his feet, the ones that he has put in position to do his work and to accomplish his will. So the head of the church is Jesus. He's the great shepherd. Then there are under shepherds that he has placed over the local church as leaders. And that means... If you want to experience the anointing of God's wisdom, God's power, God's healing, God's moving, then you have to be in a place where that oil is going to impact you. That's why when we were raising our children, Sunday and Wednesday, you always knew where the Kern family was going to be. There was never an option. 
Now, I'm not saying that there weren't times that I wanted to stay home. I'm not saying there were times that I didn't want to come. You know, the, th- the thing about being in church leadership, lots of times you don't just get to come and sit. You come and work. You know, you get to come tonight and sit and listen. And what I got to do for the last several weeks is study and study and study and work and take notes and get all this together and go over it and over it and make sure it's good and anointed and what I feel like God wanted to communicate. So, you know, I've always appreciated what (laughs) Pastor Tim has said. He says, you think you don't want to be here? I really don't want to be here. But that didn't have anything to do with anything. That has nothing to do with anything. What I feel like doing and what I don't feel like doing, that doesn't make decisions for me. So, we submit to leadership. Now, I want to make sure that what I communicate next is not taken out of context. Because I'm not saying that the local church is the only place that God can move. Because obviously God's moving all over the world. Where two or more gathered, I'm in the midst thereof. And I understand there are people in nursing homes and hospitals and situations where they cannot come to church. And that's totally understandable, okay? So I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about well-bodied, able people who are in a position where they can come and plug into a church. It is very clear that the scripture says that that is what we're supposed to do. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, don't be like some people who make it a habit of not fellowshipping with the body. God wants us to fellowship. He wants us to see the importance of our interconnectedness, okay? Now, we, we grow up being taught to be independent. You know, every father's goal is to raise up their children and then send them out. And they're independent and they're running their own life and they start their own home. And I think we kind of get that in our head, being independent, But we are interdependent. We are to be independent in the sense of learning to pay bills and running our affairs and being responsible over our lives, but we're never independent of each other. And we're never independent of God's body. I've heard people say, well, Paul, you know, I'm a member of the church universal. Well, I appreciate what you're saying. But That's like saying, well, I'm a member of the football team, but I'm not really going to attend any of the practices. Well, how can you be a member of the team? If you're not in the nitty gritty with all the other players, if you're not submitted to the coach. And so we have to understand, and this is just my personal opinion, I'm not saying this is a theological truth, but it is my strong personal opinion, and I think I have a lot of biblical backing behind this. I don't see how that you can say that you are a member of the church universal if you are not a member of the church local. Because the church local is an extension of the church universal. Now, we're all the body of Christ all over the world, but God, God, we have to understand, God's not coming back for individuals. 
He's not. Jesus is not coming back for individual souls. He's coming back for his bride. And his bride is the church. And the only way that we're going to become a bride that, was out with, that is without spot and wrinkle is that we are iron sharpening iron with each other and in our interaction with each other, in our spiritual family, God purges us and he makes us holy, just like he does in our own earthly families. I mean, the earthly family will make you holy. You gotta learn to live with the opposite sex and that's not easy. It's not easy living with the opposite sex. It's not easy getting along in a home. It's not easy raising our children in holiness, amen? But, but that's what the church provides for us. Now church, I, I, I wanna warn you. The Bible says in the last days there will be wolves in sheep's, in sheep's clothing. Mysterious, super spook, super spiritual Christians with special gifts and callings but they're not connected and they're not submitted. They want the authority, but they don't want the accountability. And you can't have authority without accountability. Because, and here's why, all authority is delegated. There is not a person in the world who is an authority, godly, that is not under authority. Now, I'll, I'll show you there is authority without being submitted to authority. That's called a dictator, and they usually kill a lot of people, right? But that's not biblical authority. <clears throat> so they're not connected. There's no accountability. You got to watch out for people like that because they generally want to have their church meeting during church night. We're going to have our special prayer, Bible study, anointing, healing. God's given me some revelation. I've got some real vision. The Holy Spirit's really given me some things because, you know, the leadership down there, they just don't really know anything about the Word. And, you know, they're not really anointed. That You know, they don't really know what they're doing. And I'm not being critical of those people because I, I believe lots of times they are sincere. I'm not saying that they're being purposefully misleading. I think they're very sincere, but do you know that you can be sincere and wrong at the same time? It's called sincerely wrong. And I've been it before. I was so sincere with somebody and I've been with, with our lead pastor talking to him, man, just laying it out. It was the best thing ever. And he said, Paul, I appreciate that. You're just wrong. And I was crushed. How could I be wrong? How could I possibly be wrong? That was so good. And then he just walks me through it and points to the Bible and said, here's why. And I said, that's why you lead. That's why I submit. Galatians chapter 2. Now, Paul was given incredible revelation by God. He went into Arabia for anywhere from 3 to 17 years. Most scholars believe 10 years anyway. When he had his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he was 
commissioned by Jesus Christ to go and be an apostle to the Gentiles and to the Jews, he didn't immediately go. He went into Arabia and he was there for 10 years and he was being taught by God and being prepared by God, given this revelation, being taught, being trained, being made ready by God for what God gave him. And God gave him two-thirds of the New Testament, which is amazing. And by the way, let me just throw this in, and this is just free. It's like the Jinsu knife set. It's just extra. <clears throat> Any, be, guys, be careful of anybody that starts being critical of the Apostle Paul. I have ran into Christians who start talking about and calling the Apostle Paul's character into question. I, I'm serious. In churches. Well, I just don't know if I can believe everything that Paul says. Well, if you don't believe everything that the Bible says, then you got, you got a whole lot more problems than Paul. I'm telling you that right now. But Paul was a man. Paul was not perfect. He was not without sin. He was not the holy immaculate. That was not Paul. Okay? No leader is. No man is other than Jesus. He's the only one. But in Galatians chapter 2, Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul the apostles of apostles, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he submitted his teaching to the other apostles and the other leaders. He went to him, he said, here's what God's given me and I'm gonna submit it to all you guys. What do you think? Now, I hear people say, well, who is Pastor Tim submitted to? Who is Pastor Tim's leader in the Lord? Well, number one, he's got, a, he's got several pastors that he submits to. Uh, one of them being Tom Underhill, who has been a, a solid man of God for probably 50 years, running a church, running his family, teaching the Word of God. He bounces a lot of things off of him. But let me ultimately tell you who Pastor Tim is submitted to. Every single person in this room. Because I'm just telling you right now, if he gets flaky and weird, we're all leaving. <laughs> including me. Right? So, there's accountability. There's accountability right here in this room for leadership to do what they're supposed to be doing. Because no one in here is being made to submit. Every single person in this room is voluntarily submitting themselves to the leadership in this ministry. Paul submitted himself. He was caught up in the third heaven. He received revelation directly from Jesus. Why was it necessary for Paul to submit to the authority of people? Well, because Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit knew the importance of accountability and spiritual authority. Even within the Trinity of God, there is an authority in a chain of command. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in Philippians chapter 2, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself and he took on the form of a slave. So he wasn't even trying to be the big cheese. He submitted to his Father. So it's important for us to submit to God-ordained leadership and be determined to stay connected to the local church that God has placed us in. Now, God has called us to support our leaders 
It's so important that we support our leadership. Now, the word support, and I just looked it up in the dictionary, that which supports or upholds a sustainer, a comforter, a maintainer, a defender. Isn't that good? That's our role for leadership. See, God's called the body to uphold, to comfort, to maintain, defend our leadership. See, God is looking for people to stand with their leadership. God is looking for people who will stand with their leadership when they go through seasons of trial and testing and difficulty. You know, I think it's real easy for us to submit to leadership when they're really godlike. You know, we look at Jesus and we see the anointings of Jesus in the scripture. Matthew shows Jesus as a king. Well, anybody can submit to that. Mark shows Jesus as a servant. Well, anybody can submit, serve me. Hey, yeah, that's good. John shows Jesus as the divine son of God. Anybody can submit to that. But Luke, Luke was a doctor. Luke revealed Jesus as a man, a man who prayed, a man who doubted. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A, God, a, a man who became hungry, a man who became weary, a man who became tired. And I think it's very easy for us to submit to leadership that is godlike. But can you submit to leadership when they're a person? When, they're, when, they're, when their personality is not necessarily your flavor of the month. I'm just saying. Now, I love... I love our church and I love our pastor. The one thing I've always respected, well, I got a lot of things that I respect about our pastor. I got a long list. But one of, the, one of the things I've always respected about our lead pastor is he's not insecure. He will allow ministry to take place. There are all kinds of young men that he has spiritually fathered, that he has raised up in this ministry, and those young men have become older men, and now they have raised up young men that have become older men, that have raised up more young men and young women all throughout this ministry. And if you're insecure, you can't do that because you'll hover over this and you'll be a, a, a real greedy, stingy person of that. And that's not our pastor. And I'm so thankful for that. That's just one of the many things that I could say. But he's not perfect. Trust me. I work with him. I know. But guess what? Neither am I and neither are you. None of us are perfect. I think it's easy to stand with our leadership when all is well. But what happens when our leaders don't do what we think they should do? Yeah. You know, I had a lady, and I'm not going to call out any names or anything like that, but I, I had a lady, and it's been a while back. We were having something, and uh, an event, a, a feeding or something, a buffet. I don't know what we were having. We were all eating. <laughs> and it was over. And um, we were cleaning up tables and whatnot. And um, I, I walked up to her and I gave her, she was at a trash can and I gave her a trash bag and I said, um, here's, here's a trash liner for you to put in there. I didn't think anything of it. Well, time went by and, you know, in a church of our size, it's easy for leadership not to 
remember if you had been here in the last couple of weeks. And so, I, you know, time went by and I, and I hadn't seen her and I, I finally did see her and I, and I said, oh, really missed you, you know. I guess it's been a couple of weeks since I see you. It's been three months. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. She said, well, you really hurt my feelings. I had no, I had no clue. I, have lost, I had lost no sleep because <laughs> I didn't know. And I said, I am really sorry. What did I do? She said, well, three months ago, we were having a, a deal at the church, and, and the way you spoke to me about that trash can, it really hurt my feelings. Now, I, I apologize, because you should. I, I tried to make it right. But how are we going to build a strong church when we are so easily offended? Now, I just want everybody in the room tonight to understand something. You're stuck with me because we're family. You don't get to pick family. You you just got to live with them. And you got to learn to love them. And you've got to learn to overlook their faults. And you've got to learn to change and grow and allow God to move in your life. See, when we become this kind of church, we will be a powerful church. And that is where God is wanting to take Christian ministries and his whole church universal to a place where we become a powerful force against the kingdom of the devil. Your leadership will receive ministry from you because they have the confidence of knowing that you support them. And I think it's very important you support your leadership. As a matter of fact, if you ever get in a situation and you hear people downing your leadership, I would hope you'd be one of the first people to stand up and say, oh, wait just a minute. Now, I'm not saying my leadership is perfect, and I'm not here to to defend anybody, but we're not going to be talking bad about our leadership. They're the anointed people of God that God has placed uh, to serve us. We have to honor our pastors and our leaders. The word honor means the esteem due or paid to something of worth. A testimony or an expression of respect expressed through words or actions. Now, one of the things that Jesus said, he says a prophet is without honor except in his own hometown. And it's amazing how you go to other churches and, you know, people, oh, he, he's, so, oh he's so awesome. He's amazing. He's so gifted. He's such a powerful minister. Well, that's just because you don't go to his church. That's the only reason. You're not there all the time. You're not around him all the time. If you were, you, you would be feeling different feelings. Honor and respect are what we're called to give. But honor and respect are different. They have different applications. Respect is an attitude, and honor is an action. And the Bible says that we are to respect and honor leadership. To honor someone is to take respect to another level. 
1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, those who lead you are worthy of double honor. Now, I just want to share a couple of things with you, and, and I want to be a little transparent tonight, and I'm already over time, so I've got to move through this quick. But nothing hurts or disappoints your leadership more than you not being here. And I want you to understand that because, once again, we're praying for you. We're believing God for you. We, we, I take what I'm doing right here very seriously. I, I've, I've poured over hours of study putting this together. And, I mean, you, you know, and I'm not patting myself on the back in any way and form or fashion. But, I mean, you, you ask some of our interns or some of our leadership here how busy I am. They know how busy I am, and it's a constant stream all day long. I could stay here till the late hours of the night and still not get done all the things that need to get done. And I know a lot of people think, well, what could they possibly be doing down there? I mean, all they do is preach twice a week. I mean, surely. I mean, what could they be doing? Well, we do a lot. But when leadership puts on a, a parenting class or a marriage class or a financial class, and church people don't come, I just want you to know it's hurtful. See, we honor our leadership by being on time for church. I mean, think about it. The worship team, they get here at the crack of dawn. They're, they're practicing. They, ha they have to go to bed early on Saturday night while we stay out and have fun. They have to get up really early. They have to be here. They have to practice. They have to pray. They have to be anointed. There's all kinds of people that are involved in making this happen. And we walk in 30 minutes late. <sighs> well, how's it going? I hope it's good today. It sure was loud last week. I don't even think I'm coming back if it's loud like that again. And Tim, for crying out loud, it's the same thing. Crying out loud. Come on. Come on, we've got to mature, we've got to grow. Do unto others how you would have them. We honor by making sure that we don't have special meetings while church is going on. We honor our leadership by giving financially out of obedience to God. We honor our leadership by making sure that their families are well cared for. Probably one of the greatest things you can do is pray for your leadership. Church, I hope you're praying for your leadership here. We need it. We're, we, you know, le leadership really influences your life in powerful ways, probably way more than you would like to think that they do, but they really, really do. We honor them by making ourselves available anytime that they have a need. We honor our leadership when we rise to the place of our calling that God has for us in our lives. First Timothy says double honor. Double in the strongs means twofold. In other words, we should be doing twice as much for our pastors and our spiritual leaders than we do for political leaders or anyone else. Because that's double honor, that's what the scripture says. When's the last time you told your pastor you love them? When's the last time you bless them. When's the last time you did something for them? When's the last time you prayed 
for them. And, and I know we have a lot of people who do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody in the room tonight. We have the best group of people in the whole world. But we still need to be reminded of things. We all need to be reminded. We all need to be encouraged. If you ever have a problem with leadership, go to them. Don't talk about them, talk to them. They'll listen. They'll talk. Now, they may not do anything differently, but they will listen. They will pray, and they will ask God to direct them and lead them. But when you, when you talk about your leadership to other people, I encourage you to make sure that it's positive and it's good. Once again, leadership is not perfect. They make lots of mistakes, but they're doing what they feel like God's called them to do to the best of their ability. I've had opportunities to be offended. I've had opportunities over the last 28 years to quit and leave. I'm coming up on 25 being on staff here. There's been lots of times I thought about leaving, but I didn't. And the truth is, there are things that you can say and people may never overhear your conversation, but God hears it. And that's all that matters. It's our responsibility to defend and fight and protect our leadership in every way possible, especially spiritual, as we pray the enemy off of their families and off of their health and off of their lives so that they can be strong leaders that God has called them to be. Church, I want to encourage us tonight as we're wrapping up this four-part series. I, I, I hope that it's been a blessing to you I hope it's given you some vision, some insight of, of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ and making God's house stronger. My prayer is that it activates everybody in here from the youngest, every single teenager and young person that we have all throughout this building, every young adult, people all the way up into retirement years. I pray that every single person in this building is activated and sees the necessity of what God has placed them in this church to do. As I close, Job 17 verse 9 is our vision for this year. The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Each of us individually have our own specific part that we play in making God's house stronger here at Christian Ministries. Your leadership at CMC has vision, they have passion, they have drive, they have a great work ethic, and they love you. And they are determined that they're going to take this church forward. They are determined that this church will be a church that makes a difference for the kingdom of God. We're determined to reach our community, reach our country, with the good news of Jesus Christ. We're determined to do that. And as we all plug in and we all fulfill what God individually has placed us here to do, then we will get stronger individually, but we will also fulfill the vision that God has given the leadership for this year stronger and stronger. I'm praying that you've been blessed by this four-part series. I encourage you to share this series. Those of you that are listening by podcast, share this with your friends, share this with your family, because all churches all around the country, people need to get a hold of this vision 
so that we can move the church forward in becoming all that God has called us to be. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause tonight. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you for our time here. God, continue to help us to grow, to mature, and to be perfected into the people that you've called us to be. Lord, use us tomorrow. Wherever we're at, God, we ask for divine appointments. We ask that you open doors. And God, we ask that you help us, that you heal us, that you grow us, that you prune us, that you move us into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you have been blessed, encouraged, and motivated by today's message. If you are interested in more messages by the pastors at CM Church, please log on to our website at www.cmchurch.com and click on our podcast link. You can also purchase series and other messages at our online store.